and that he's brought back the rainforest and stuff and he came out to share the teachings of the Mayans and so he was teaching um, the calendar and you know there's a on my website I was honored to be invited to the 2011 and 2012 Mayan New Year ceremonies and with the seven women shamans and they allowed me to interview them and film them first time with a camera so but um, if anyone's interested they explain what the mind calendar means to them versus the whole Hollywood thing that I was like that's not the truth mm. and so they shared which to them was the beginning of the golden age this yeah. is an exciting time for humanity because we have an opportunity to now wake up and and be human be the magic that we were always meant to be Mm -hmm. So you wanted to share a meditation with us, lovely. So sit back and relax, and Christina. Sit back and relax, and going um, to share a meditation with us. Just going to do a simple meditation to balance our chakras and um, and ground our energy to the Earth Mother. So all I want you to do is just close your eyes and just take some deep breaths in and out. And with each breath you release, feel yourself sinking deeper and deeper into that chair. You're right here, right now, nothing matters. And I want you now to imagine that there are seven steps leading down to a golden arch door. You got to accentuate the positive. Wow! I feel good. A little bit of feel good goes a long way. You're listening to Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, accentuating the positive, showing you a way to a better life. Accentuating the positive, it's not just fad, it's sanity. Who in their right mind would accentuate anything else? Hello and welcome to another show, Accentuating the Positive with Karen Swain. So wonderful to be with you again. I've got another delicious, beautiful light worker, healer, to introduce you to today, her name is Christina Christou. Welcome to the show, Christina. Oh, thank you so much. Happy to be here. Another beautiful Aussie gal just lives up the road from me. So we've uh, seen each other quite a lot. But Christina has this amazing healing journey, which we're going to go into. Let me just uh, read your bio and then we'll get into your story. So Christina has been studying and practicing the art of healing and meditation since 2000. She studied to be a pilot when she was young and obtained both a fixed wing and helicopter license, <laughs> which was a dream for her to fly a helicopter. I think that's pretty cool. I'd love oh, adrenaline junkie. <laughs> Escape from reality. Escape, yeah. But she suffered from a lot of physical pain since she was a baby. By the age of 12, she had encountered her fifth surgery and made a vow never to enter a hospital again. But at 22, the pain became so unbearable, she sought yet another medical doctor. The doctor's uh, only solution was more surgery, and they said all the pain would get worse. In her mind, this was not an option. Her dream was to travel, spend time with Indigenous people, and make peace with this world. She went searching for truth and ways to heal her body and find herself. <laughs> On her travels, she was honoured to live with and learn from Indigenous medicine, men and women from North and Latin America and also Australia. 
The various medical uh, medicine people Christina encountered shared tools and teachings which helped her heal her body and stop the pain. These insightful teachers and healers enabled her to heal physically, emotionally and spiritually. She discovered the power of Indigenous teachings, how they have a transformative effect on people's ability to release wounds of the past and manifest the future that we all seek. This was the catalyst for her to become a healer. The teachings were Reiki, shamanism, crystal healing, sound therapy and plant medicine. Today, Christina works as a carer and a healer, is passionate about Mother Earth and the environment and the issues of the environment and supports other healers and teachers with talks and gatherings in Sydney. Wow. <laughs> Sounds good, doesn't it? <laughs> so, so let's start when you're a child. What was happening? What was the pain about? You, you, you suffered um, pain in your life. I, I chose to come into this world. <laughs> I think I might have changed my mind at the last minute. Uh, my hips were dislocated at birth when, uh, when I came out. I was a breech birth. Uh, but the doctors didn't notice till I was about three and a half where my mum kept saying there's something wrong, but everyone kept saying, no, there isn't. Um, and then once they figured it out, they realised that my hip bone, instead of being like this, was like this. Hmm. And so I was, um, we were living in Cyprus at the time, that's where I was born. And um, I was very blessed that my uncle in London uh, was able to assist with funding where we were able to travel there to have this major surgery or else I would never walk basically. Um, and so I spent six months in plaster from head to toe. That's my need for escape and freedom where they put screws in. And then a year later, um, six months again, head to toe where they took them out. It worked on one leg, but not on the other. And when we arrived in Australia, um, I had kind of like the sound of music childhood where there was a war in my country and we had to flee. My parents lost everything and we came here as refugees when I was six years old. Uh, they like refugees then, we were invited. <laughs> So lucky so, us. So there was a war in Cyprus. At the, yeah, there was an invasion and um, half the island is now owned by Turkey and that's the part oh. I came from. So they lost everything. And so things blowing around, you know, guns, things like that, which is um, quite intense for a six-year-old, especially one that's an empath and doesn't know they're an empath. Um, and um, so then in Australia at the age of 12, um, the doctors said that I needed to put a screw, which only as an adult, I realized on this journey that that was the worst thing they could have done because it blocks the meridians, which causes the pain. Uh, the pain got worse. And that's when I decided seeing my mom upset and so forth that um, I was just going to keep it to myself. Um, and when I started flying, because it was my escape and my dream, and I was told I couldn't do it. And I'm I'm very stubborn that way when I get told I can't do something. How old were you when you started flying? Um, I was 21 when I flew a Cessna across Australia. Wow. That was so exciting. That's exciting. How old were you when you, uh, like, sought to get your licence, like about 20? Uh, yeah, well, I started off um, 
studying welfare and I was a counsellor at 18. I was working in child abuse, street kids at 20, 21. And it, I burnt out because I wasn't able to switch off. And as I said, unaware I was an empath, I thought it was a curse. I would feel and I would see things and I would dream things and it wasn't good for my psyche. Um, and so my escape was to fly because I always wanted to do that. And I shared a dream with an ex-boyfriend once and he laughed at me and told me I was stupid that I could never do that. And when we broke up, he planted the seed and I thought, why not? Why can't I do it? It was a challenge being a woman and dealing with the sexism and everything else. Um, but um, the pain just got worse because I was doing everything I wasn't supposed to. And especially flying choppers, you're sitting on an egg beater. And when you have a hip issue, uh, it doesn't help. <laughs> and when I did go to the doctor, I think I was 22, I was told that I had to have a plastic hip or the pain would get worse, unbearable, not walk, blah, blah, blah. It's amazing how they plant their beliefs in you and then this is the importance of the program of the thoughts which we will talk later because then you create it but I'm very stubborn and I didn't trust doctors anyway because they caused the issue in the first place and so if that was not an option um, to have a plastic hip at 22 I would have been on my third or fourth hip now um, and so I just put up with it basically and found ways like doing qigong and meditation qigong really helped me a lot um, the money I spent on healers and everything, I could have bought a house, I think. And then that's when I realized I need to sort this out for myself. There's something not right here. And, and so that's the journey was, as I said, was about um, making sense. I felt I was scammed, but I didn't know what the scam was. It was like the movie, The Matrix. What, what, do, you mean? Sorry? Yeah. what do you mean scammed? Well, the whole the way the world is run the cruelty the the whole working for and not loving it this outside exterior of taking the distraction of our planet i felt that we were being manipulated as a human race but i didn't know what that manipulation was but right. i felt that from a young age you know i studied history and you know, you could see how World War II had to happen after World War One, and all, all of that. And I thought, well, I'm not an intelligent being. How is it I can see these, but those in power or the leaders can't? So I really dwelt into understanding our history because what I was taught at school was a lie. And so... Um, I had a dream of meeting Indians since I was a little girl. I had a thing about Indians. I didn't know why. So that's where past lives come into it. Um, and, you know, I would always, I hated cowboy and Indian movies, the way the cowboys always killed the Indians. <laughs> yeah, um, me too. I used to go, I want the Indians to win. Yes. And yes. they never did. <laughs> Not back when I was a kid anyway. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and so then in, in 2000, um, I had three dreams in life fly, go travel the world to try and make sense of it, meet and be with a soulmate. And within a month, I lost all of it. It's really amazing how the universe gives you a kick up the ass. I call it universal beach slap. You know, I'm surprised I have a face. <laughs> it's like when you're not doing it, it's like, <laughs> right I call, wake up now. I call them sledgehammer moments. It's like oh, hitting you on the head with a sledgehammer. Wake up, wake up, wake up. Yeah, that's it. It's crazy. Um, oh, wow. Cute. <laughs> Sorry. Attention deficit, I think. Um, yeah. So, um, so, you know, when 
you never look for teachers. Teachers find you. Yeah. I really strongly believe that. And um, in amazing, magical ways, I was invited to go live with these medicine women in the desert of New Mexico. Um, and I ended up spending six weeks with them, learning the Navajo teachings and the traditions doing ceremony. By that point, I was broken and it was like everything was stopping me from getting there. So everything that could go wrong in this dream trip went wrong. Um, but I had nothing to lose. So it was almost like, like in that movie, I'll go to the metrics where do you want the blue pill or the red pill? And I'm like, bring it on. <laughs> And so that's how the journey started. And, um, and through them, they taught me how to question and understand with, even with what we're doing, it's not about believing me. Um, I'm only sharing what feels right for me, what my truth is in hopes that it would inspire you to find your truth. There's no right or wrong. It's what's going to open your heart because at the end, especially now, we have to come to that space of love because that is our protection. That is where we manifest our dreams, our visions. Mm -hmm. And so they taught me to question and, and to search. Um, and it was amazing. I'll share this one story because coming from Western world with teachers, it's yes, sir, no, sir you know, two bags full, sir. I remember asking one of my, one of my teachers a question and she turned around and gave me the answer. And I was like, yeah, cool. And then uh, she turned around and said, why do you believe me? And I was so dumbfounded. I'm like, what do you mean? Well, how do you know I'm speaking the truth? Go have a look. And they had the most amazing library of various teachings from around the world, secret societies, you know, all sorts of things. Um, so, so where was this? Was this in America? This yeah, in New Mexico. In New Mexico. Was she? Yeah, in so I was about um, an hour and a half outside El Paso. Were they on a reservation? Were they in a building? No, they were just living in harmony with a, with a medicine man and they were just practicing um, the teachings uh, of the indigenous. And so they, they held, um, you know, sweat lodge, and doing peace pipe, prayer pipes. Um, dreams are very important because that's another reality. The only reason we think this is real is because it's ongoing. Um, and so understanding dreams was important because I used to, you know, I hardly slept even growing up because my dreams were so intense and so vivid and being attacked or all sorts of things. And so they taught me how to master my dreams, how to be able to go in. And if I didn't like the outcome, I still don't understand how I do it, but I can change it. I can replay it to the outcome that is a happy, you know, a nicer one. So when they say they taught you that, are you talking about a past event? So if, if, you have a memory? Are they telling you to go back and revisit that memory and change? No, they, um, we just, every morning we would sit and speak about our dreams and ask questions and understand it. And through meditation, through doing prayers and um, just various tools, I was able to go inside my dreams. And so because a lot of my dreams in the past were, you know, been attacked by you know okay shadow energy so, i'm just getting confused about dreams and dreams so there's dreams oh, like dreams what, is in when you go to sleep yeah so there's dreams like what i dream of for my future and then there's dreams of what no, i do no i'm talking about 
night dreams. Right, my right. Nightly dreams. Okay, so yeah. so they were teaching you to be have be a lucid dreamer, basically to be in control of your dream. Yeah, so teaching you lucid dreaming. Yeah. That's yeah. So good. that way, it was empowering for me because I am a dreamer. If friends are in trouble, I dream about it. Right. If that I'm close and connected. I would dream about them. Yeah. And yeah, yeah and stuff like that. But we went a bit off track. But uh, back to the questioning. Uh, I went to the library and I found the answer in a book, and I was like a real proud little teacher's pet, going, "Look, you were right." And then she turned around and said, "Why do you believe him?" how do you know he's speaking the truth? What's his agenda? And I was like, holy crap. So back to the library. And I found the answer in a book from a different part of the world. And then she said, now you know it's the truth. Yeah. And, and so it's very important to question everything. And that got reinforced by my greatest inspiration, Don Miguel Ruiz, who's written a book called The Four Agreements and many others. I got the privilege to spend time with him and study and do his workshops in Mexico in the Toltec ruins. And the first thing he said was, don't believe me, don't believe you. Whose truth is it? So just because we put our belief in a piece of knowledge, that doesn't make it the truth. And so it's very important to question everything, especially now, because we are being manipulated as a race. There is, you know, a lot of shadow energy trying to control through fear and stuff so questioning is very important just because someone says they're a teacher or guru or whatever doesn't make them any better than you and how do you know they're speaking the truth mm -hmm. so i've been privileged to learn what not to do more than what to do by ego-driven teachers they seem to come out of the woodworks but that was to teach me to stay centered to stay grounded and then beautiful magic happens like meeting Don Miguel Ruiz, for example, or my amazing, I, out of all the teachings, everything, because I like to observe and that's the best way I feel to be and feel what resonates for you. I would say out of all the teachers, gurus, whatever you want to call themselves, masters, um, there's three that came into my life who were true heart beings. Don Miguel being one of them and the what Definitely. was the first one that asked you to question? What was oh, no, uh, my first ever teacher, Linda? She was a Navajo teacher, uh -huh. and she actually told me I'd be doing all this stuff um, before I left. Um, she lived in El Paso, and I'm like, How? I'm going to Mexico. I was traveling, and plus, my idea was heal my shit and go and finish flying, get a job as a chopper pilot because I spent right. a fortune. I got to commercial level. It was my passion, but I got broken down by, you know, the pain, but also the sexism at the time. And, you know, I had to be better than the guys to be equal to the guys. And after a while, you just go, oh, so over this game, you know. <laughs> um, and I'll never forget that what she said to me was, first, you must learn to walk in grace. And I'm, in my head, I'm like, what does that mean, <laughs> you know? But I still don't know what it means, but I know when I'm not. And then ended up in Guatemala, never planned you know to go when, to Guatemala. Do you know when you are? So you say, you still don't know what you, it, but you know when you're not walking in grace. Do you know yeah. when you are walking in grace? It's, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I now know what it is. At the time, I didn't. Right. Um, that was back in 2000. Uh, when you're feeling that immense peace and support where you feel creation within you 
and you know the words that are coming are truth for you it doesn't mean it's true for anyone else but you stand by that and it's okay if people are going to judge it's okay if they're going to ridicule or question or whatever nothing it doesn't matter you don't have to fight for it you don't have to kill for it you don't have to force it down someone's throat it's respecting that we're all on a journey and it's not about believing in each other's beliefs it's about understanding and respecting that we all have a right to walk our walk in our way so all paths lead to the same place at the end it's up to us if we're going to go up the stream or flow down the river if we're going to go sideways or actually follow the path but at the end of the day it takes us there and everything's just a lesson it's not a punishment i thought i was being punished i thought what i'm a good person how can all this happening like the pain betrayals all that sort of stuff but if I needed to go through that, you know, we're always born into the opposite of what we need to learn in order to learn it with your family, especially who are the biggest challenge. You know mm -hmm. how you can be in your best set and they can still trigger you and you go, how did I fall for that again? Yeah. You know, 17 years later, it's like, no, how did I fall for that? Um, so but how, it, did you, how, how did you alleviate the pain? What, what was the journey for you to stop the pain? The doctors want to replace your hip. And you, and you go traveling and find a shaman. Many. When, when, many. When did the pain, like when did, when did you have the healing? What happened? What was that journey? That's when I realized that I am the master of my own reality and thoughts. You see, every physical pain is linked to emotions. I truly believe, science has proven it again go research, you know. Um, and so I had a lot of emotional wounds because, you know, I'm a sensitive empath and I've always given everything. And that was a big error as well, because it's important to put yourself first or else there's nothing to give. And I've only learned that recently, especially through someone who I thought was a friend. And, and I realized that we create everything and if the um, it's the yin and yang if the body can create something then it can heal it obviously i have to exercise obviously and this is where a lot of spiritual people or new age everyone's so focused on the spiritual that they ignore and resent the physical i hated my body the scars and everything um and the image of how you should look and so on um, and it was about bringing love to the body and gratitude. The fact that I can walk, how amazing. And now, I mean, I still get a high from being able to walk and climb mountains and not have pain. The things we take for granted. And so I also recognize how powerful we are because I noticed when I would say, I'm so sick of this bleep, bleep pain. I'm always in bleep, bleep pain. The pain will get worse. Yeah. You see, the universe doesn't know, oh, she didn't mean that. Or the universe knows that's what you ask, that's what you get. Thought, words, action. You think it, you speak it, you create it. It's that simple. The teachings are incredibly simple, but our ego has complicated it. All these, oh, you've got to do ceremony here, you've got to do... It's really, in my opinion, a load of shit. It's about understanding it's yin-yang. What you give is what you get. 
And that's what karma is, for example. The energy you put out is the energy you get back. But it gets so complicated through religion and spirituality and all this sort of stuff. And I think it's time to come back to simplicity. Mm. It's time to ground. It's about grounding and centering with the earth. So every time I got into my head, then it would be a whirlwind of like a fog. I call it the fog. Mm-hmm. At loose sense of clarity and then get caught in the thoughts and programs mm-hmm. because we're programmed. The, you know, I explain to people the mind's like a computer. Negative thoughts are like a virus. It starts off in the hard drive. You keep repeating it. It turns into software, becomes your reality. Mm-hmm. So it's about taking the programs out that don't work and replacing them with ones that suit you, that work for you, that's for your highest good. Mm. So I had a lot of toxic programs due to my experiences growing up and, and, and what I had witnessed as a child, especially like the um, fear or the anger and, and especially, yeah, like frustration of the cruelty that I witnessed in this world, which I never understood, you know, Uh, the dictators, because as I said, I was obsessed with history and the horrors that I saw, even just through traveling or my own experience, (coughs) became part of this dark program. And so it's when you get them out and then come back into the center, you know, the heart has a brain, science has proven it. Mm -hmm. So it's working from the heart brain, not the head brain. So basically your healing was a process of emotional healing, of changing your paradigm, changing what you believed about yourself, what you believed about the world. The the thing is about the ego, as you said, Mm. is that the ego likes to be right. (laughs) The ego is obsessed with being right. And uh, I say to people, people used to say to me as a kid, you know, you always think you're right about everything, which I used to think, oh, I'm not supposed to think I'm right about everything. But what do you want to be right about? Do we want to be right about the pain or do we want to be right about the love? And so that, that's the choice we have. Do we want to be right about how we love or do we want to be right about how angry we are, how frustrated we are, how upset we are? And the ego is like, but it's true. So I have, a, I have the right to be upset about this, whether it's global crisis or whether it's personal crisis. Mm. Um, and, and then you go even deeper where what is right and what is wrong. Isn't that also part of the ego? Oh, I'm spiritual or I'm new age or whatever. That is also a judgment, you know, and, and it's also respecting that we have the shadow within us. It's part of our make. There's the light, there's the shadow, and it all has to be in balance. It's about what you're choosing to be part of. And yes, we're going to get angry. It's part of the norm. And unfortunately, a lot of people suppress it. And that's what causes disease in the body. Disease, the body's not at ease or the cancers and so on. And so it's important to be able to release it, but not taking it out on people, but also releasing it physically, whether it's boxing or grabbing a pillow and smashing it or going to the cliffs and just screaming, because really it's very intense right now in this world. And, um, and it's important to honor that. And it's okay to feel sad. It's okay to feel angry. It's okay to be depressed. It's not a bad thing, but cause through that great awakenings can happen, you know, um, 
like one of my greatest um, fundraisers came through being angry, witnessing um, the mining companies um, going in and um, burning down communities, raping the women, taking the land, etc. That took me to a dark place because I've been to those villages. But through that, uh, Love Inspires came where I was able to create a beautiful um, gathering of meditation, got people in. 12 countries to meditate at the same time, raise some money for, Guatem for the Guatemala and so on. And so we can use it in a beautiful way. Mm. The choice is ours. Mm. Definitely. But yeah, and it was also through the energy work to explain. It wasn't just emotional, but through using energy, you can heal the body. You, your bones can grow. You can do amazing things. Everything is energy. And so when the energy gets blocked, that's when it causes problems to the physical body. So that's also very important. And, and, and the teachings, I don't proclaim to be a shaman, though I studied for, you know, whatever, 18 years, the tools are very beautiful. Um, and again, that's just another label because that actually comes from Siberia in Latin America, the medicine people, but now it's very trendy to call yourself a shaman. Um, I use the tools of shamanism. I don't proclaim to, you know, even a healer. My job is to hold space. It's ultimately your choice. Like if someone comes and says, oh, it's not going to work, but I'll try it anyway. It's not going to work because you're a very powerful being. You create your reality, no one else. And it's your responsibility. You are not a victim. And it's getting out of that victim mentality, which creates the cycle and the loop where you're doing the same thing over and over and over. Um, as a healer, my job is to hold space, to inspire change, to help you find your truth and to bring down the energies needed to cut the energetic ties, release the beliefs on an ancestral DNA, cellular dimension reality. It's crazy. I mean, as you know, we carry our six ancestors in our DNA. So you're not only dealing with your own shit, you've got to deal with their stuff as well. You know, it's insane the way we are made, but it's so beautiful at the same time because we can harness the energy that is us within us, which is creation, and use that to heal our bodies. Mm. So who was your third teacher? There was... There was the one in New Mexico. So Linda was Linda. the Navajo teacher that was yeah. an amazing inspiration, beautiful woman. Uh, it was, yeah, she, we could we'd sit with our Indian blankets and talk for hours and I'd be just like a child listening and take and It was crazy because it was like a memory. Like I was, I knew it, but I didn't know what I knew. That's part mm -hmm. of thinking I was mad not relating to people mm -hmm. but it was she was activating my memory of who i am yeah um the second one was in guatemala Uri. unfortunately he passed away um he was a great inspiration he helped me heal my stuff with men so we all have a me too movement especially flying and whatever so um and then i also found that some masters or whatever um use their ego where they try you know there's a price to pay for the knowledge and that was not nice and i'm a, a lucky i'm a proud whatever person i would because those women taught me how to question they were getting me ready and so audi was so, amazing so what do you mean there's a price to pay for the knowledge were they in sexually uh, sexually some, inappropriate yes 
Right, well, so you had, had some gurus that sort of said, right, now that I've been... I, I don't believe in gurus. Um, I don't believe you bow down to no one. You are your own guru. You take the... Yeah, but what I'm saying is that your experience was that you had some teachers that were um, asking you to pay for the knowledge sexually. Well, that yeah, they would use... Um, and there's, I said, there's a lot of vulnerable people. They want to belong. They want to be loved. That, oh, yes, he knows best. Sure, I will... Yeah, he wants to sleep with me or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, that sort of stuff. Um, that happens a lot, especially, you know, you'll find, you know, Indians or whatever coming to Australia and they're this and that and they um, and they use their knowledge to, um, to take advantage of vulnerable young women mm-hmm. who just want to learn, who want to belong, who want to um, understand their world and, and heal their wounds. And mm-hmm. it's not okay. Um, and so Udi was amazing. He was one of three shamans that I spent six months studying with in Guatemala in a beautiful paradise called Lake Atitlan. And it was interesting. It was like the three stooges. <laughs> it was Udi. Um, then there was another one, which I won't go into names. And all, it was all about ego because, you know, we're always teaching what we need to learn. Um, and then another one who was lovely. But again, I think he must have slept with half the class. Because, oh, I'm the good, beautiful shaman, blah, blah. And I didn't, I loved his teachings and everything else, but I was always a step back because um, my gift uh, is that I tend to unmask people. So, you know, the mouth would do this, but the energy does that. And through my healings, I was able to trust what I was feeling and seeing energetically versus the need to believe, the need to belong, and so on. And, um, yeah, Udi taught me um, shamanism. He taught me about tarot. He taught me about uh, nature's medicine. Amazing teacher. Mm. And, of course, Don Miguel Ruiz came to me after when I said about that video, and that's when, uh, ironically, that's when Udi passed away and I found out months later because he was in Guatemala and that, that devastated me. Um, and then seeing that video, I was in a place and I remember. Sorry, what that, video was that? Uh, it was a video that was sent to me of what the mining companies are doing in oh. Latin America, but I was caught in a place where I couldn't share it because then these people will get murdered. But um, so it, it was that catch 22 where if you put it out there, these people would suffer and, you know, they would get killed. Um, and then not putting it out there, then people don't know. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah. But who made the video and how did you oh, come across some, it? Um, some friends, some Latin American friends who went and um, interviewed and filmed indigenous people with their ply, with what's happening there with mining companies, deforestation and so on. And the way the game works over there. Anyway, but back to the third teacher, Don Miguel, uh, I remember thinking I need to meet him and I just presume it would be very expensive to see him. And as soon as that thought, and this is the power of thought when it comes from this, when it's for the highest good of you and humanity and the planet, uh, three days later, a friend sent me a message on Facebook, hey, did you know Don Miguel is coming to Australia? And I'm like, what? Uh, not only was he talking in Sydney, it was 15 minutes from my house. Hmm. 
and it was a two-day workshop. I thought it would be packed. There was maybe 40 people. First time I sat in front of a class. And he was my inspiration. He put all the pieces together. So I shared the tools, his tools a lot in my teachings. Um, and then, yeah, it was funny because then on the next day, I, would, I took him, my friend and I took him and his partner for lunch at my beach, which I've never been so nervous driving a car. I turned into a shaman groupie. Um, <laughs> and he invited me to go to Mexico because they run workshops in the ancient ruins with his sons. And miracles happened, money came through, and yeah, I ended up in Mexico. Beautiful. In the and ancient so, ruins. Yeah, that's the three true teachers out of all the teachers I've had. And there's been many. You also said you had some Australian Indigenous teachers. Who were they? Oh, yes, of course. Sorry. Um, I do, and I apologise. I guess they're the ones that gave me the biggest impact with knowledge um, and healing. Um, yes, I've, I've spent time with um, Uncle Bana. I don't know if you know him. He's the whale whisperer. Oh, beautiful. He's, um, he's been fighting the ore mining of the Southern oceans right. where the whales breed. And I was very blessed to meet him at a gathering and we went whale watching together and, and he's an amazing musician, an amazing warrior. Yeah. Beautiful. And just many others, which I'm not sure if I'm meant to name or not, because true teachers don't label themselves. They don't want, you know, it's like they share, they're doing their thing. It's not about, oh, have to have millions of initiates and followings. Um, they just do their thing and they come into your life at a time that you're ready and they plant another seed and they share it too and then you go on. So I've had many okay, I'm going to go back to that statement because that's a really interesting statement. True teachers don't name themselves. Now, is that something you want to believe being a teacher? Well, I'm not a teacher. I'm just sharing what helped me. And you can, if it resonates, cool. If it doesn't, that's okay as well. But hopefully it will inspire you to find what resonates for you. I, you know, it's like I teach Reiki. I've been practicing Reiki for 15 years. But Darling, you're a teacher, like name, like own it. But like true teachers don't name themselves. I don't know if that's, because as you say, truth is everyone's truth is their own truth. Mm. But you've got to look at what you believe. Like, is that something that we want um, to believe? I don't believe like, that, uh, it's like I don't call myself a master, though I've done It's not about ever. being a master. It's about being a teacher. So I call, I call everyone that watches my show the new mm. world teachers. I always say to people. But we're all teaching ourselves. I guess yeah. I'm going if into you, that if you, whole. If you're, if you're sharing your story then you're teaching people because people hear their own story in your story. So well, I, don't know, I just don't know about this true teachers don't name themselves. It, uh, it sort of makes out that, you know, the true teachers out there are hard to find. They don't name themselves. Uh, and I, I believe read. that we all need to find teachers. We all need to inspire each other. And there are many true teachers that name themselves. I think <laughs> so I, I need to, to um, readdress what I meant. I guess uh, what I meant is like the label of master and so on. To me, maybe when I'm 100 and I've kind of figured out the way, perhaps, I just don't feel you need labels. And what I meant by they don't label themselves they're not walking and going around i know the truth this is the way it's only this and so on um it's like with don miguel he i'm not a teacher i'm just here sharing 
um, the, my ancestral beliefs. I'm here sharing the teachings that help inspire me to get to where I am. And it's up to you if you want to believe it or not. Mm -hmm. I think it's very, very important to question everything because understanding what people's agendas are. I remember I had a teacher who promised enlightenment if you became their initiate. And I'm like, whoa, exit right. No one can promise you anything. Only you can do it. But what we can do is share the tools that brought inspiration to us, like the energy work or whatever that I share in Reiki workshops with shamanism. And I just add everything because I think it's all fabulous. And it's up to you to practice. It's up to you to utilize them and make them part of your life. Okay, so you've spent quite a lot of time with the Indigenous Australian, the Aboriginals. What's been your experience with, um, you know, doing ceremony and stuff with Indigenous teachers? I believe that the Indigenous Australians are truly the first humans. They've been here the longest and their connection to the Mother Earth, the way of living and balance. And it's interesting, it's the same with all the Indigenous people I spend time. It's all about sharing. You only take what you need. You don't never take more. So if the Aborigines is an example, let's say the hunter kangaroo, then it was cut where um, the cousin, the auntie would get this and this person would get that and it was sharing. And I love that about the way everything was about sharing and everyone supported everyone. And this is where they call each other auntie and uncle because everyone's there to look after their everyone's children because it's our children. And that's something, you know, that I feel we miss in the West, that connection, that grounding. And to understand the understanding, like um, being with Auntie Barbara explaining, you see this plant, this this is like the cane sugar and you can use it for this. And then we'd walk and she showed me, oh, this one's good for spider. So if a spider bites you, you put it on and the poison leaves. And, and just to um, see that connection, which is the same with all indigenous, where they are able to communicate with the earth, with all beings, because everything is energy, with all the animals, the birds, the insects, and so forth. And that is the magic of humanity. That's, the, that's what I find inspiring. And I'm in awe with the way. And when you do, anyone, when they go out and spend time in nature with the trees, um, you start to communicate, you know, and I, my experience is more with the Amazon, um, to be honest with you. So, for example, um, let's say they have different master trees and there was um, a lady that was on the journey with us with um, menopause and there's a tree that's specifically for women's business. And so the shaman would see... What, what tree is that? <laughs> I'll give you the name later. I have to look at all the names are very long. Um, and so... What, um, what do they do with that tree for menopause? Well, what would happen was um, before you take the medicine of any plant, and it's the mm. same with the Indigenous here, um, you know, it's about asking permission. Right. Um, and doing prayer in the, in the Amazon, they smoke the tree. Right. And, and then the tree would tell them what part of itself it's willing to give as medicine for that person it's not about taking it's um it's about sharing and so how do you smoke a tree 
Oh, no, as in like smoking um, tobacco and, and the smoke will cleanse. Oh, I see. So you take what the bark and you roll it up and smoke it. and then No, no, can... no, no. Oh, sorry, start again. Um, when they first start, they would speak to the tree. They would sit with it um, as they're smoking tobacco in the Amazon. Oh, right. Okay. And they would um, sit and give prayer. And that's what smoking means. And then they would connect with that tree, whatever the medicine of the plant or the tree, and they would speak with it. And then that plant, that medicine would let you know what part is best or what they are willing to give of themselves. And so I remember this shaman took the bark and put it on the stomach of this woman. And then within minutes, like the flashes were gone and everything. Wow. Or there's um, medicine for all the medicines that we need as human, the earth has. Yeah. You know, the plant for diabetes, um, one for the various cancers, for bones. So when I was with the medicine people doing ceremony, because mine was the hip, with the master tree of bones. Yeah. And then, you know, making a brew and, and drinking it in ceremony and doing a diet with it. And so with, all of the indigenous people I feel that I've come across, the teachings are very similar and and in that way where it's all connecting. Let me ask you, do any of them recognise you from a past life like as being, you know, one of them? Yeah, it's interesting because I tend to blend in. I don't know if it's the colour of my skin or... those teachers that have impacted me, they saw more in me than what I saw. And I feel that's why they were open to share with me because they knew. Why yeah. do you think you came into this life as a Cypriot and not as an Indigenous sort of <laughs> Indian like American or some sort of Indigenous Aboriginal or something it's like that? It's funny. I uh, I remember Linda once telling me that, um, you know, how everything is also coming. She said, you know, some Indigenous have chosen to come in this time with white skin to be able to bring forth the changes and some white people are born Indigenous to pay for the karma of what they've done in the past. Right. I'm not, yeah, that's her perception. Um, it's interesting because Cyprus is the goddess Aphrodite, goddess of love. Um, Christina Christou, I've got Christ in my name twice. Um, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, yeah, I just tell the Christians I got, yeah. Um, and so it's, I'm going on a journey this year to connect with that energy of the goddesses of Aphrodite, Isis and Athena only next month because I need to reach my human ancestry for what's ahead for the work and the journey that is very exciting that's coming through so what's in the future what do you think for humanity for you you and i have shared a similar well you know we both were involved with the academy of light for a while i was running it when i was in my 30s and sponsoring a teacher and putting on a meditation every Monday night. I did that deliberately because people kept telling me I would be talking in front of thousands of people and I was so disgustingly shy. (laughs) And I thought, well, well, if I'm going to be talking in front of lots of people, I better start practicing with a small group. And and the Academy of Light, you know, we used to gather about 10, 20, 30 was a large Mm. group back in those days. And you were helping out Rosemary and John with the Academy of Light as well. How long did you do that for? Mm. 
Uh, several years. Um, I see Rosemary as my spiritual mother. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I was honored to be able to help them out because I was fascinated by the various teachings. My goodness, there's so many ideas out there, so many beliefs, so many ways of healing the body. And I like the way that there was no judgment. It was open space for whoever the speaker was to share their truth. Yeah. And um, I was very blessed where I got to speak about the Amazon and run a meditation or, or speak about some of the teachings as well. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I really liked that about it. There was, um, it was just a beautiful energy of non-judgment of people from different aspects of life, you know. It didn't matter what class or education or what level, spirituality, non-spirituality. I like that. Um, and I guess for me, it's um, you asked where you see me is um, I want to be able to share this without, it's not about having to become something else. It's just sharing tools in a fun way through stories. I love stories because that's how I was taught. And what the indigenous people taught me, everything was you learn orally, you don't write it down. And mm. that's why they survived through all of it because the stories are passed on through songs, through through listening and sharing. And I love that. And a lot of those stories have stayed in my heart. Mm. You know? um, and it's understanding that anything is possible if you believe, mm. but it all comes down to you. Everything we seek out there can only come from within. Yeah, absolutely. And now you sort of sponsor other teachers that come through, like Indigenous teachers, because I went to recently, we did a gathering with a, was he, where was he from? He was Chilean, right? But he'd lived with the Aboriginals for a long time. Was he from Chile, that guy? Um, I've helped out someone who was from America, Indian. I did have um, one of uh, a teacher that was from Guatemala who I helped raise money to build a hospital um, on the land that he's brought back the rainforest and stuff. And he came out to share the teachings of the Mayans. And so he was teaching um, the calendar. And, you know, there's a, on my website, I was honored to be invited to the 2011 and 2012 Mayan New Year ceremonies and with the seven women shamans. And they allowed me to interview them and film them first time with a camera so but um if anyone's interested they explain what the mind calendar means to them versus the whole hollywood thing that i was like that's not the truth mm. and so they shared which to them was the beginning of the golden age this yeah. is an exciting time for humanity because we have an opportunity to now wake up and and be human be the magic that we were always meant to be Mm -hmm. so you wanted to share a meditation with us how long will the meditation go for oh we 15 minutes would that work or we can do a short 10 minute one maybe a shorter 10 minute one sure would be lovely so sit back and relax and christina sit back and relax and um, share a meditation with us yeah and this is um what i thought because so important to ground our energy right now. So we're just going to do a simple meditation to balance our chakras and, um, and ground our energy to the Earth Mother. All I want you to do is just close your eyes and just take some deep breaths in and out. 
And with each breath you release, feel yourself sinking deeper and deeper into that chair. You're right here, right now, nothing matters. And I want you now to imagine that there are seven steps leading down to a golden arch door. And we're going to go down this door as I count it. One, two, three, four, five, six, and seven. You're gonna open that door, making sure that you close it behind you. And as you look around, you find yourself transported into an ancient rainforest. Trees reaching up into the skies. It's a new day dawn, sun coming out, bringing life with all the animals and birds. And at your feet is a trowel that's made of red earth that's soothing and soft. We're gonna take a deep breath in once more and allow ourselves to connect with this part of the mother. And you're gonna follow this trail that would lead you to the master tree, Lapuna, the ancient one. And with each step you take, give yourself permission now to just surrender, let go of any burden, stress, fears, anxiety any emotions that no longer serve your highest good give it back to the earth mother to be transmuted into love for her healing as you follow the trail to the master tree lapuna You can see the tree in the distance, reaching up into the skies, hundreds of feet. This is the ancient one that's thousands of years old. You're gonna make your way and you're gonna sit between the giant roots with your back against this beautiful being of wisdom. This is the master of the standing beings who hold the knowledge of creation of the dawn of time. Now, as you're sitting there, I want you to imagine showering down from above and rising up from the earth mother, this vibrant red, and you're going to breathe that into your base chakra between your hips. And as you breathe that beautiful vibrant red, imagine your chakra activating, opening up as you connect and ground with the earth and the physical realm, breathing in the red. And then from red, this beautiful orange showers down and rises up as we breathe it into the navel chakra below your belly button, activating your power, for your power is the power of love, the power of creation, breathing in the orange.
And from orange, a vibrant yellow comes showering down and rising up as we breathe that into our solar plexus, where our second ribs are, where we hold our will. Breathing in the knowing that you are love, abundant, beautiful, graceful, full of wisdom, trust and faith in yourself, breathing into the solar plexus. And from yellow, this vibrant green rises up and showers down as we breathe that into our heart chakra. As we open the heart, forgiving all who have ever hurt us in this lifetime or any other lifetime, forgiving ourselves knowing that we are love. A beautiful turquoise showers down, sky blue rising up as you breathe it into your throat chakra, opening all communication, speaking your truth and honouring the truth in others as we breathe into the throat. And then a beautiful indigo showers down and rises up as we breathe it into our third eye, our ajna, helping to awaken us to all that we are and all that we always were, beings of unconditional love, eternal beings, full of magic and wisdom, breathing into the ajna. And then a vibrant purple, light purple, showers down, rises up and we breathe it into our crown, top of our heads, connecting us with our high source, connecting us with the life force that is everything, breathing into the crown. And now we're going to stand up with our backs against this master tree of wisdom. And as you do, brilliant shower of gold comes down like rain from creator. And you're gonna breathe it into your heart, flood in your heart. And as you breathe out, imagine that going down your body, down your feet forming roots like a tree going down into the core, the center of the earth mother, her golden sun. 
and we're going to do a few breaths and as we breathe out imagine those golden roots becoming thick and fat like the master trees centering and anchoring as you become one with Gaia the mother earth And now it's time to leave this sacred space. Your body feels light as a feather as you follow the trail back to that golden door, recognizing you are part of the everything. You are the rainbow children, the warriors who are here now at this time to connect and be one with the Earth Mother, to be all that you are and more. For you are beacons of love and light, manifesting great magic for you, but for all those around you and for the Earth Mother. You can see the door in the distance as you make your way there now. Take a moment to look around for this is your sacred space and you can visit at any time you wish. Flooding the connection, bringing forth the clarity of the magical being that you are. We're gonna now open the door, making sure that you close it behind you. And you're going to climb the steps as I count them. One, two, three. Feel yourself coming back into your body. Four, five, six, and seven. So you're gonna take some deep breaths into your stomach, gently breathing that energy down to your feet to anchor and center. Wiggling the toes, the fingers, rotating the wrists, shoulders, neck and head. And we're just going to close that meditation by doing the arm ones, bringing forth gratitude and love. Taking a deep breath in. Whenever you're ready, you can open your eyes. Namaste. Thank Have you liked that? Thank you, honey one. That was beautiful. That was just beautiful. Oh, so honored and so grateful to you for allowing me to share some of the tools that helped me. And um, yeah. So where can people find out more about you? What's your website? Uh, well, I share the teachings and films and beautiful affirmations that come through on Instagram and Facebook page called Alkehela, A-L-K-E-H-E-L-A. I also have a website, alkehela.com, where you can find the documentary under Giving Back that we spoke about, which is great inspiration by this Medicine Women. If you want to connect with the 
beautiful shamans of Guatemala. Um, and I've got a workshop coming up, sharing Reiki um, on the 4th of May. I run a meditation fortnightly. And I'm available for treatments by Skype or Messenger or one-on-one. Um, 90 minutes and I work from Marupra so and I'm open if you just want to call and chat if you have questions please it'll be my honor to talk and share and see what's going to work for you and also make suggestions because I think it's very important to share other people's teachings and gifts and healing modalities that might suit you best yeah thanks and I write blogs, so there you go <laughs> Thanks, honey. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. There we go. Yay. Another wonderful show with Christina. Hope you enjoyed today's show. Uh, she was a little nervous getting her story out there. And, um, you know, when we're a little nervous sharing our stories, we do tend to sort of ramble and talk. I like to say that these are not interviews, they're conversations. But today really wasn't a conversation. It was more of just sitting back and letting her share her story. And uh, it was a beautiful story. She's got a lot to teach, a lot to share, a lot to give to the world. And I'm sure you all do too. And it is nerve-wracking sharing our story in front of a camera and knowing that lots of people are going to be watching it. it took me like years to put my face on YouTube. I was hum comfortable behind the camera, um, behind the microphone on radio. But then, you know, filming filming us <laughs> some people some people never never do it there's so many people that friend me on facebook that don't even have an image of their face because they're too shy or i don't know why and uh, i usually don't accept requests from people who don't put their face up because i like to speak to people you know not not images of flowers or their dog or something i like to yeah i like to speak to people i think you know we're all people here we're all humans. We're all spirit having a human experience, but we're all wearing these beautiful bodies and these beautiful minds, these beautiful personalities and navigating this third dimension. You know, we're all in this big quantum soup together. So thanks again for listening and watching to another show. And coming up in the Inner Sanctum next weekend is Garnet Schulhauser. Well, this weekend, this is actually going to come out, you know, towards the weekend. So if you want to... Uh, jump online and ask Garnet some questions. We do the Inner Sanctum is our online gatherings where we gather on Zoom and I teach and then I invite a guest teacher once a month to come in and Garnet is coming back into the Inner Sanctum. He's written, I think he might be on his fifth book. I think Albert, if you don't know Garnet, check out my shows with Garnet. I'm sure many of you do. I think Albert has like contacted him again to get him to write another book. Anyway, we'll find out on the weekend. I know he's been doing his QHHT for a while. So he's got lots of interesting stories to, stories to share from some of his clients' adventures uh, through hypnosis. But it'll be interesting to see where Albert takes him next. His books are amazing. They just, they rocked my world. They rocked my world. Yeah. Okay. So enough said. Remember to buy the book, Awakened by Death new one coming out probably by the end of this year of people's awakening journeys and then we're going to do some other things some et connections and some angelic journeys lots to come love you all bye for now